You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, good morning. Good to be with you guys this morning. My name is Ryan. I serve as a lead pastor here at North Valley. Glad that you guys are with us. Uh, how was Thanksgiving? Pretty good? Pretty good? Okay. Well, hey, I want to um, tell you, uh, we had a fun uh, time as well. Things didn't go exactly as planned. Um, you know, it's funny, this morning we're going to be talking about learning how to be an overcomer and some of the bummers that you face in life. And the reality is, is that every single believer, every single person in life, if you're living, you're going to go through difficult, trying times, surprises, setbacks, all that in your life. Uh, on Thanksgiving, we had a little bit of a, a setback. Uh, I, I want to uh, show you a little video as to what happened at our household. And I got permission ahead of time, but check this out. Watch this. Filming. Well, happy Thanksgiving. It is a great morning at the Rice family household. You know it's Thanksgiving Day when the smoke alarms go off. And your turkey's on fire. Turkey's on fire. There you go. The kids got it. Don't worry. Leslie said it was okay to show that, but... uh, we had a lot of fun. You know, the turkey actually worked out just fine. She was just trying some new oils in the oven, and boom, it just kind of <laughs> lit up. So, hey, you know, life happens. And so this morning, here's what you're going to learn this morning is that, you know, every single person faces really challenges or bummers that can kind of shock or surprise you. But the, the more secure you are in your identity in Christ, and in this situation, my wife knows that you know, her love is not received just because she cooks a really good turkey. Uh, she's my wife, and we're gonna we're gonna eat a, a dried up burnt turkey if we have to. And uh, she did a fantastic job. The turkey ended up coming out just fine. But the reality in life is that we're every every single one of us are gonna face a, a moment, a time in our life when we're like, man, that was a major setback. That, that, that was a major bummer. Um, this morning, what I want to do is I want to walk you through that. We all have setbacks in life. You're gonna see this morning um, that as the apostle. As the Apostle John addresses the the churches that are in Rome, he's addressing them because they had significant impacted uh, life change in a really challenging way. They were Christians. This is the first century, and to be a Christian is to be countercultural and uncool. So persecution is breaking out, and they're going to endure some significant financial hardships because you can play favorites if you're in the Roman Empire and you have these uh, 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 these crazy new people called Christians in through the Roman Empire. Uh, business owners, shop owners, everything could dismiss them, or 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 not. Uh, uh, dis- they would discriminate Christians just based on their beliefs. And this morning, we're going to learn that what God calls every single Christian to is to live a life that is to overcome. And John's going to help remind the believers in his day, and it is just as true for us today, is that every single person who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ has overcome the world. And But the reality is Jesus said the very same thing. He said, in this world, you're going to face a lot of trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. And it's through Christ that we can overcome some of these setbacks. Some of you have faced significant financial setback. Something happens in your life. Uh, you had a financial plan or a goal in your career or something was going to happen. And, and something that was beyond your control took place and it really set you back. 
Just the other day, we got news that it was dri- well, I was driving down I-17 the other day. Some big Haydike block rolled off this truck. I hit it. Boom. I, 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 my truck jumped around, and it tore up our alignment, tore up a bunch of things, cost us about $1,500 in repairs. It was a big setback. You know, for us, we got a budget, and man, every penny's accounted for. Every penny's got a place. And so, so, so there's setbacks that happen in life. You know, I look back at Arizona history when the financial crisis hit, and that set back a lot of people. That set back a lot of hopes and desires and dreams. We have not only financial setbacks, and that's the setback that a lot of these early Christians are dealing with, and John's going to tell them, like, don't get stuck there in this setback. Realize that you are an overcomer in Christ. Uh, there's also relational setbacks. Some of you have gotten into relationships and you know it's not the right thing and you had to break it up. It was a necessary ending. It was a relationship that was dysfunctional, not right, not healthy, and you ended it. And there's a setback that happens. I can recall back in my dating years before I met Leslie, and I thank God for these setbacks. Because I was dating a few girls. There was one girl by the name of Angie. There was another girl by the name of Anna. And both I thought I was in love with and I wanted to marry. You know, Angie, I remember I told her I wanted to be a pastor. And she said, well, I think this is going to be the end of our relationship. And I said, well, I guess it is. Uh, Anna, she wanted to go off to Missouri. She's a, she's a nurse today. She was a wonderful gal. But we were on two different pages. We started drifting in two different directions. And each one of those gals that I was dating, I, it was like the end of my world when, I broke up, when, we, when we broke up. One dumped me and I dumped the other one. But here's the deal. Those are necessary setbacks. Because guess what? God had something better in place, right? How many times, how many of you married your, your high school prom? Not very many. So, so, so here's the reality. We all face setbacks in life. We face relational setbacks, financial setbacks. Even churches can face setbacks. I remember uh, hearing a story from Pastor Don Wilson. He came out to the property about a year ago, and he looked at our property, and he said, man, Ryan, your beginnings remind me of CCV 30 years ago. I said, tell me about it. He said, well, we were in a movie theater just like you guys. I said, wow, that's great. He said, you know, and I sold uh, my, my farmland back in Ohio and did a bunch of stuff just like you guys did here at North Valley. And he said, the other thing that we did is the church was about 300 and uh, we moved into this, this, uh, this, this new location and we didn't have all the codes right, the permits right, all that stuff. And we tried our best and we thought we had it. We move on site and the and one Sunday, the city comes, and they are found guilty with code violations or whatever. They had some problems, and they had to quit meeting there. And it was a major setback. They lost hundreds of people in one Sunday. And it took, he told me it took several years to rebuild, but he said that setback was a part of God's plan to, to preserve and sh- our strength of overcoming. And we depended on God like we've never had before in that time. See, the world is a challenging place, and the Bible's going to teach us this morning that every single one of us, though we face setbacks, that God wants us to walk in a, in a spirit of victory because we have overcome the world through Christ. So we're going to learn about that this morning, that no matter what happens, what what bummer you may face, you're still an overcomer. 
And so this morning, uh, you know, uh, another oh, bummer that you can face is just the, the, the shockers that you're going to face in life. Just about a week ago, uh, Leslie's dad called and said, I'm sorry, um, we're not going to be able to come like our normal plan for Thanksgiving. Uh, the cancer's back. Uh, he's been battling prostate cancer, and it went into remission, and it's back. And he said, in fact, his uh, wife told us, in fact, we're going to sell the condo, and we're preparing for a ma major transition. You know, those are the shockers you get in life, right? You hear the news. Something dramatically changes the way life was working. And you ask God, God, how am I going to be able to overcome this adversity? You know, my, my kids were crying the other night. As I was tucking them in bed. Maya, she's five years old, and she's crying. And I said, why are you crying? She said, I'm crying because Pop, Pop and, and Mia aren't going to be here for Thanksgiving this year. And I said, I know it's, it's hard, but we can pray for them, and we thank God for the times that we have with them when we are with them, and we're planning on seeing them again. You're all going to have setbacks. Every single one of us have had setbacks. I think when you think about it, you've had shockers in life that really seem like a big bummer. And then you have seasons of life. And man, if you don't understand this concept of seasons in life, it'll really mess you up. Seasons in life are literally like, you know, we, there's a, a season and a cycle for everything. There's a fall, there's a winter, there's a spring, and there's a summer. And so many times we fall into the trap of thinking that, we're, that we want to control our universe, that we constantly live in springtime. And we want everything to be growing. We want everything to be going great. We want everything in life to be just working out perfect. Let me ask you a question. What season are you in? Are you in fall? Are you in winter where it's cold and difficult and things aren't growing quite as well as you'd like them to work out? Spring or summer. And realize that every season has a purpose. And, and we can't control the season we're in. Some of us have been in difficult seasons of our marriage. I can look back over the years that Leslie and I've been married, and I can see seasons of great growth and progress. And I can see a season where there's a setback and there's a hardship that we're going to have to overcome. But through it all, God is faithful. God is good. God wants us to grow through this. And in every, every ministry, every marriage, every person, on the planet walks through seasons of life. And so when we come to this concept of learning what it looks like to be an overcomer, to live a life that no matter what adversity comes or challenge may come or setback or shocking news or season of life that we're in, we can have this identity in Christ that we are an overcomer. And so often we can misplace that and think that, oh, well, we just want it to be springtime all the time. Everything's great. Well, Phoenix can lock you down in your house in a difficult, challenging, hot summer. And you feel like you're isolated. You feel like you can't go anywhere. But be patient. The fall is coming. Winter is coming. Spring is coming. There's a season and a cycle. So let's do this. Let's read in God's Word together. 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And we'll learn together what it looks like to be an overcomer. So if you would stand for the reading of God's word, I'll read through this and then I'll walk through uh, what it looks like for the overcomers 
what it looks like to become an overcomer, to, to look like an overcomer, and to be an overcomer. Here it goes. 1 John 5, 1 through 12, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for your word to take up residence in our hearts, to give us understanding of what it looks like to become more and more an overcomer in every situation, in every circumstance, in every setback, in every season of life. God, that we might walk in victory. Even when we feel like we're defeated, God, remind us of the victory that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The reality is, is that overcomers focus on a few things. Um, the Apostle John's going to remind uh, the early church as to what that looks like. Uh, the, the key areas he describes, these are characteristics of an overcomer. I'd encourage you to focus on these things because I think focus begins to help you prioritize what's most important. In the holiday seasons, it's easy to become discouraged uh, because maybe you're thinking it should go a certain way and it's not. Well, the reality is, is that we have a lot to be thankful for and a lot to rejoice in. And I want to help you limit what you focus on and your priorities so that you can overcome every season, every circumstance that you're going through and coming out through it and say, God's still good. I'll walk in faithfulness and obedience and experience the joy of Christ in the midst of these challenges. Overcomers focus on a few things. Number one, they focus on their beliefs. John highlights this. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. He's reminding uh, the church that anyone who believes that has this saving belief that they believe in Jesus Christ Jesus is the Christ. Literally, that means that he is the Messiah, that he is the long-awaited, that our beliefs are placed in the person of God, that he is the one who will restore, redeem, renew. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus 
is the Christ, has been born of God. Why is that important for you to focus on your belief and understanding that Jesus is God? He reminds you that you are born of God, that no matter what happens in your life, you're still a part of God's family. Even if you were born into a difficult family, through Christ, you can be reborn into a spiritual family. And your identity helps you understand your security and your significance. Knowing that you're greatly loved by God, that you're a part of God's family, you're reborn for a new a purpose. And so John reminds his readers that overcomers, he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That's good news. You need to believe at the end of the day that your identity is not tied to your career. Your identity is not even tied to your, uh, your, your, the, the work that you do or even your marriage. Your ultimate identity is in Christ. You're a child of God. If your spouse was to die, you're still a child of God. If you're to change careers, you're still a child of God. If you're to move into a new state, you're still a child of God. Wherever you go, that's secure. No matter what changes come in your life, that's secure. Your belief needs to be is that no matter what happens in my life, I'm a child of God. And your responsibility is to say, I'll live under this household of my heavenly father in in obedience. I want to learn what it looks like to live like that and believe that more and more. He says, for everyone who has been born of God... Now, he helps us to over understand the result of this. Everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. What is the world? The world is the, the system of, of sin and suffering, meaning that the, the world is temporal. It's not eternal. This place that you're living called the world will not always be. There is a time coming when Jesus will return and he will restore, redeem, and renew all things. And the world, Jesus says, in this world, you're going to face a lot of trouble. But take heart, for I've overcome the world. And so the reality is, is that we overcome the world because when, 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 this, when you die, you live on. It is just the beginning. An ending is really a beginning. And he says, you've overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ, no matter what happens in this world, relational setback, financial setback, that's not determinative of everything that's going to happen in the future. You can go through hardship in this world and realize that God's working in you and through you and cultivating your character and changing you and transforming you, and you can find joy and trust in walking in that, and then realize that you know what? This world, there's more to this world. God's offered a, a whole brand new life. And he says, and, it, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. And he says, our faith, that's our beliefs. We have to keep an eternal mindset. We have to keep not an earthly perspective, but lift our eyes up and remember. He goes on to say, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Your beliefs are incredibly important. You need to keep your beliefs really strong, foster foster them through hearing God's word being preached or being in a neighborhood group and learning how to navigate your beliefs and keep those really a high priority in your life. John reminds us that we're born of God and that we over, 
overcome the world. Secondly, he reminds us that, that we overcomers focus on their love. He says, everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. He's exhorting them and saying, look, if you, if you call yourself a Christian, if God is your heavenly Father, you love the Father, you also love other people. The priority of love has got to be a key thing. Here's what I want to encourage you as in living a life of, that's overcoming is that you're going to need to focus on how you love God and how you love people. I want to encourage you two things here. It's not in your notes, but you may want to write this down, that you lead your life by love and you live by love. You lead by love. That means that you make tough decisions, that you make tough decisions, but they're based on love, not retaliation or hate. You lead your whole life by love. You go, I'm going to do the most loving thing I can possibly do in every situation and I'm going to honor God and honor people, but I'm going to do it in a loving way. You know, last week I talked about gospel love. Gospel love is where you love people unconditionally. You, you love them. Um, you know, and then I talked about good works love. Good works is loving people with a condition. If that person treats me well, then I love them. Uh, gospel love, the way the Bible describes it, is, is that you love people unconditionally, not based on how they perform. John says that overcomers constantly are focusing on love. They're loving God and loving people. The greatest commandments Jesus ever taught is love God and love people. Your greatest priorities are to focus on these few things so that you can live a life that is overcoming these hardships that you're going through. If you're in a setback, you learn to love the people well around you. You know, what can happen a lot of times when you're in a difficult season of life or you're in a significant setback, you can get really angry and the worst can come out in you. And so what's the priority there? The priority is actually to spend time with God, be filled up with his love and learn how to love people through difficult seasons. And so overcomers focus on a few things. They focus on their beliefs. They focus on their love, even if it's tough love. You know, uh, recently I heard a story about a, uh, a, a person that was in a marriage and there was an addict, an alcoholic in the relationship, and the spouse said, well, you know, I just want to be a, a loyal and a loving person. And my husband's a, uh, a, a, an alcoholic and has been for years and years and years, and I want to give them uh, a really good love, but nothing's changing, and 10 years had gone by. Uh, where this marriage has been uh, wrecked and the family nearly destroyed through uh, alcoholism. And the wife says, I want to learn how to love my husband well and keep giving loyal love no matter what. Well, the reality is, is that's not very love. That's actually giving a license to do more, more, more trouble. And the most loving thing that that spouse could do in that situation is to say, if you continue to act like this, um, uh, I'm going to move out and we're not going to get a divorce, but we're, I'm going to move out and I'm not going to tolerate you living like this, destroying our family, destroying our marriage. And now the burden of the problem is shifted on to that individual. See, sometimes in Christianity, we get this wrong with the area of love. We think we just love and it's like giving people a license to do wrong or a permit to continue to live destructive behavior. That's not love. That's, that's, called, that's called passive love. That's cheap love. Tough love is often necessary when you're dealing with a difficult situation that's harmful and hurtful. 
And the Bible teaches us that we're to love people. And you can hear this and say, okay, look what it says. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. You're to love whoever. Whoever. The, the, the addict, how do you love the addict that's hurting the marriage and hurting the family? You give them tough love. You don't wait until you're like a time bomb and you explode on them. You deal with it in a corrective loving and caring way that's honest and fair and right. And so what happens oftentimes in Christianity is we just confuse this thing of learning how to love people, and we think, oh, well, loving them is just continuing to give them, and you can often find yourselves, oh, my goodness, in this generation is parents are enabling their children, right? Or spouses are enabling their husbands or their, or their wives or whatever to continue to perpetuate the problem. And that doesn't help. And so John says, everyone who loves the Father loves whoever. That means the people that are easy to love, the people that are hard to love, has been born of him. And that priority is born of him, meaning like you really need to demonstrate your love to other believers. You know, I mean, that, that, that is a great priority. Why? Because they're in your family. They're your spiritual family. And so, you know, loving others isn't just... Um, being nice to them all the time. Sometimes it's having a really difficult conversation and saying, I love you so much that i got to be honest with you about this. So here it is. Overcomers focus on a few things. They focus on their love, their love for the Father and their love for whoever has been born of Him. You know, as an early Christian, I remember I, I uh, wanted to spend more time with other believers. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this is true of you, and you will live a life of overcoming. You continually seek to spend time with other believers because other believers will give you strength. Because they've gone through setbacks like you're, you, you've gone through. They've gone through a season, a struggle, just like you. They've, they've heard the shocking news, and oftentimes God brings those people into your life. It says, I want you to love other people and pursue the fellowship of believers because I'm going to use them to help you. And oftentimes what happens in life is your biggest bummer becomes the greatest catalyst for you to be an overcomer and to help others do the same thing. And so John here says, like, this priority of loving God and loving other believers is really, really a key, key focus. Second, or thirdly, we see overcomers focus on their obedience. They control what they can control. Being faithful. You can only control what you can control. You can't control other people, right? So in that illustration with the, the wife who has the alcoholic husband, she can't control her husband. She could say, hey, you need to go to AA. And he thinks, no, I don't. I've been living here fine. It's been working out great. I get to drink what I want to drink. I still live in the house, still be with you. There's no, he doesn't see that need to change. But then if she says, if you don't go to AA and start getting help, I'm moving out. And uh, we're going to work on our marriage, but separate housing. Now, all of a sudden, he might think, wow, I, I might need AA. There's some serious consequences here. And, you know, the reality is we can only control what we can control. We can control ourselves. And what that wife could do is say, I can control me. I can't control my husband. What I'll do is I'll say, here's the line. Here's the boundary. I'm not putting up with it anymore. We've been doing this for 10 years. 
draws the line. My control is this, is either you change or I'm moving out. So she moves out. What did she do? She, she took an active step to control only what she could control. And obedience is that thing that it's really, it's a, your obedience isn't determined by what I do. It's determined by what your commitment level is to God. And so what John says here is he says, look, overcomers focus on their personal responsibility. They have a high level of personal responsibility. It's not somebody else's fault. They're not playing the blame game. It's their responsibility. And so living this life that God calls us to, calls us to do a few things and do them really well. Obedience is a key one. It's trusting God, obeying him. Here's what it says. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we obey his commandments. Those commandments, again, so simple, so clear, loving God and loving neighbor, loving God and loving other people. So it's keeping that priority in place. And I'm, I'm going to make sure that you don't walk out of here with some cliche statement, oh, I'm just going to love people. And you're not simply handing out permits for people to violate, mistreat you, uh, do whatever. You can give tough love and still be an incredibly great Christian. You know, and, and you don't have to be labeled as a hater. You can actually be labeled as a great lover. And learning to love people really well is an art, and it's a lifetime journey. And so here what John does is he says, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God, because all love comes from God. The Bible said already that God is love, and what? Obey his commandments. The test for your, your faith and your commitment and the identifier if you're going to be able to overcome is how you love God, love people, and you're walking in obedience here. He says, and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Jesus told his disciples that the world will know that you're my disciples by the way you, you love one another. He says, if, if you do what I say, it's an indicator that you really trust me and you really love me. And he goes on to say, and his commandments are not burdensome. So this isn't dead religion. This is vibrant living relationship. That, that when you're walking in a relationship with God, and he's your good, good father, and you trust him. Now, I want to encourage you, you're going through a setback, you're going through a difficult season. Get time away. Spend time with the father. Hear what he has to say and realize that when he speaks to you through the Holy Spirit, impressing upon your heart, revealing in his word, bringing through another believer, hearing what I'm saying today, and your heart is prompted to do something right, you, you say, God, I want to obey you. And you find out that's not a burden. That's a blessing. When you're walking in obedience, when you're living out God's word and God's ways, that's not burdensome for the believer. It's actually the greatest blessing. As an early believer, it's like for me, when I became a Christian at 18 years old, uh, the first thing I did was I went back to my girlfriend, Laura, and I told her we have to break up. And the reason why we had to break up, it was a bad relationship. I wasn't a good guy to her, and she her family and her situation wasn't a good, healthy situation at all. And I knew I had to end things. And sometimes you need to end things so new things can begin. 
And so what happened was I'm confronted with this reality that I need to break up. Nobody told me, you better go break up with this girl. This was a test of obedience for me that I needed to begin to live a new life and walk with the Lord. And then after the relationship breakup, I go to my other buddies. They're partying down the street. They got a killer bachelor pad and they had the best parties in West Little Rock. And I go to them and I tell them, hey, I became a Christian and I can't party with you guys anymore. I don't want to party with you anymore. What's wrong with you? Well, I, I, I I met Jesus. You met who? What? Come on, Ryan. And guess what? Here's what happened. Step by step, I started walking and living in a new life, and I didn't find it to be a burden to live for Christ. I found it a great blessing. And did you know I spent many Friday nights in my room alone as an early Christian while my friends are partying like crazy? down the street, alone on a Friday night. And I would just weep before the Lord and ask him to fill me up with strength to get through this difficult season of ending some tough situations. See, God was calling me to a life of obedience. And I was walking through at that point in time with a begin to a new heart change. When you become a Christian, like things just begin to rewire. He rewires your desires. And obedience isn't a burden anymore. Obedience becomes a blessing. And so how how do you get more of that desire where you're just desiring to obey? You continually ask God, God, would you change my heart? Would you change the way I feel? I don't want to obey you, but I'm going to ask you to give me a heart of obedience. Help me to follow you no matter what. And John says, overcomers, Focus on their obedience. They keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Overcomers have a testimony. Here it is. He says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Two things we see. He talks about overcomers. There's this testimony of men. These are other people that had been talking and teaching about Christ and giving testimony, and you hear the testimony of other people all the time. When you turn on the TV, you hear the testimony of people talking about the weather, the news, whatever's going on, and you take it for what it is, and you believe it. You know, okay, a storm's coming. Okay, well, I'm going to get ready for that. And John says, hey, if we receive the testimony of men, let me tell you something. He says, the testimony of God is greater. And actually what he's doing is he's pointing to a a divine authority as an apostolic leader receiving direct revelation for God, and he's exhorting the believers to saying, you remember the testimony of men. People have been talking about Jesus, but, you know, and here he says, for this is the testimony of God, and he gives clarity that he has borne concerning his son. The testimony of God is about Jesus Christ. The greatest testimony of God is God sending his son. And God testifies that he is the Lord through the sending of his son. And he clarifies that Jesus was not just a man, he was God. He is the man God. And there was a a, a popular belief there at the time that Jesus was a less than God and he was just a man. And John clarifies about the testimony of God. 
And overcomers need to believe and need to understand that they have a divine conquering king who's not just a man, but he's 100% God. Because God is the only one that can help you overcome your circumstance. God's the only one that can help you forgive like he forgives. God's the only one who can help you love like you need to love. God's the only one that can do that. God's the only one that can resurrect a terrible situation. God's the only one that could renew a heart of stone and turn it into a, a heart of love. And so here he clarifies that, look, let me clarify to you about Jesus. He says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Two things he helps the, uh, the church to understand is that Jesus came by water. He was identified uh, in baptism. John the Baptist baptized him, and he is identified with John's message. And he is uh, humanly seen as the beginning of the earthly ministry. And then he says by blood, and that's to indicate the work that he did on the cross and his divinity. And he says, Jesus Christ. He says, not by water only, meaning not just by his uh, hu humanity and his human uh, ministry, but by water and the blood. So we see his humanity and his divinity working together. And he says, and the spirit is the one who testifies because the spirit is truth. The spirit of God rests upon every single believer and it works as a testimony and Jesus Christ operated in the Spirit, and John's drawing attention to the testimony of God, that it's his humanity, it's his divinity, it's all working together. And he says, and it's the Spirit of God, for there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three, these three agree. He continues on, and he says, overcomers not only have a testimony of of, of men that testify that Jesus was Lord, not only the testimony of God, but overcomers have a testimony in themselves. Look what he says. He says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. You're a walking testimony. And you need to remember your testimony of how God's worked in your life to overcome the hardships. Sometimes in life you need to stop and you need to look back and you need to remember where you came from. You need to recall about how God's worked through your life. Part of being thankful is taking that time to recall and remember. And God always calls his people to remember and look back at what, what, how, he's, how he's faithfully showed up. And the testimony is in yourself specifically. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's in your life. If you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, it's a testimony of God's Spirit working upon your life. And it's with you no matter where you go. You know, every place you go, the work of God and the power of God is in you working through his spirit, the Holy Spirit. The testimony is in himself. John reminds us today, the apostle reminds us today that the testimony is in us. It's the work of Christ. Last thing we're going to see is that overcomers have life. John points this out consistently and continually throughout his epistle to write and encourage and exhort us to understand that there is a life to be lived and that God is the giver of life, not only life here, but life eternally. He says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. So if he doesn't only just give us life, he gives us eternal life. And man, does that make a difference when you start putting things in eternal perspective. That if this is this life now, 
you get maybe 80 to 100 years if, you know, if you're really, really healthy. But then there's eternity to live for. And you think of that, you remember that, and this is a testament, God gave us eternal life. And this is life in his son. Whoever has the son has life. If you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, you have life eternally. You have life present and life in the future. A greater life now because God's ways are always better than our ways. Whoever has the son has life. And then contra, on the flip side, whoever does not have the son does not have life. If you have not received Jesus Christ, for all those that have not, they have not received Jesus, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ as Lord. He's the, the Lord of our life. Then you, then, then you don't have this eternal life. You know, interesting for me to uh, understand this truth and this reality, but for a believer, um, as I look at my life, I have to realize um, the life that I experience as a Christian here on earth, um, this is as bad as it's going to ever be in my eternal understanding of life, this earth. This is as bad as, as, as it's going to be. Um, for Because heaven's great. Like, it's always greater, right? And eternity is always better. It's wonderful. It's totally without sin. It's like glorious and grandeur, and that's eternity. It's forever. So I think about earth now, and I think, well, this is as hard and as difficult as it's ever going to be in my eternal existence. But for the unbeliever, I think about it like this. If I don't know Jesus Christ as Lord, then I don't have eternal life. And actually, I have eternal damnation and torment for hell. This life here is as good as it gets. There's no, there's nothing good is coming. It's terrible. For the Christian, we can overcome and realize, listen, your, your troubles, your trials, your setbacks, your seasons of difficulty, this is as bad as it's ever going to be for you. This is, it's only going to get better. Amen. Let me encourage you in this. God wants to use your bummer to become an overcomer. He wants to use your difficulty to become something incredible. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever setback, whatever season or struggle that you're facing right now, God wants to use this bummer in your life to become an overcomer in this area of your life. You already are an overcomer if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, but in an area of your life, maybe you've surrendered to defeat and you're giving up. And God wants to remind you, no, I don't want you to do that. I want you to remember the victory that you have through Christ, that, hey, this world, you're going to face trouble, but you can, you can trust me. I'm going to walk you through this thing. And there's a better future ahead. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, God, that as we move forward from here, God, that we would we would, we would take up uh, a priority to focus on those few things, God, that our beliefs shape our, 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 our future. And God, I pray that we would live in a life of love and obedience. In Christ's name I pray. Thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.